All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of the Boneyard. I have to take a, take a minute to collect myself there because I'm not sure what day it is most days. Now that we've kind of gotten off schedule, all those couple weeks in Omaha are, uh, you know, it just takes a toll on you after a while. It really does. I mean, it's, um, <clears throat> you never know what day it is. You just know, okay, we got a game today. We don't play today. What's what's the date? Yeah, that matter. Back home now and uh, also we're kind of throwing a wrench in the schedule. This is a three-day weekend. So I want to thank everybody. There's so many of you. I didn't ask for this, but, man, it's so great that you guys did this. It was my birthday on Saturday, July 3rd, almost a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Many of you reached out and said, hey, Steve, happy birthday. A couple of the Facebook groups kind of threw it out there. Even the Elite Dogs threw it out there. Man, I appreciate it so much. It's, uh, you know, it's nice to be remembered. I mean, it really is. It's nice that people care. It also reminds me that I'm not a very good Facebooker. You know, I use it a lot of times to just kind of post what's on my mind or whatever. But, you know, all these hundreds of people come out wish you a birthday and you kind of feel guilty you didn't do the same for them. So I'll try to do better, but I make no promises. Also, of note, too, uh, Blooms Voliander, number six on the Mississippi bestsellers list this week. It's three weeks in a row since its debut. It's been eligible and um, I'm excited, man. I really am. Uh, I didn't know how this was going to be received, and I've shared that with you folks before because it is it is a departure from my normal work. But um, 
Yeah, I'm pleased, man. There's a lot. There's a lot of me in that book. I mean, as much as I love Mississippi State, you know, this is a different you know thing for me. And so I talk a lot about you know past relationships and just things that I was inspired to write based on how I was feeling. And a lot of that material has been collected over the last couple of years. And decided to do something with it. And what do you know? It's on the Mississippi bestsellers list, and it's doing really well. Sold. Uh, I guess a few hundred copies uh, the first couple of weeks. I ain't got a sales report here in the, in the last couple of days. But, uh, yeah, it's doing well. It's exceeding my expectations, and, and I thank you guys for that. And uh, a lot of my friends in the bookstore community were happy for me to write another book uh, because you guys would go buy them. And so if you hadn't done so, you can go. I, I would prefer you guys buy it from a local bookstore, really would, even if it's not one of our Mississippi bookstores. I'm very, 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 very supportive of our independent bookstores, uh, including, uh, you know, Turnrow Books, of course, over in Greenwood. I'll be there July 15th, I believe, 5 to 7 on July 15th. I think that's correct. Yeah, that's correct, because I'll be at Howard Miles on the 17th to see Faster Pussycat, a little Lillian Axe, and Enough's Enough as we raise our goblets to the gods of rock. But also, too, uh, Bar- Book Martin Cafe downtown has plenty of signed copies, and you can get them personalized if you'd like. Just call them, let them know. All of you that pre-ordered books through them while I was in Omaha, those books have been signed. There are a couple, I guess, that uh, I had to kind of double check on. I'll be down there Tuesday when they reopen and go get those books in the mail for you. But also, Lemuria Books and Jackson's been great to me. And listen, Square Books hasn't carried any of my books. But you know what? I don't harbor any ill ill will or bitterness about that. If you live in and around that neck of the woods, I'm going to encourage you to go support them because I believe one of the biggest friends the Mississippi writers have our independent bookstores around the great state of Mississippi. So no matter what they choose to do with my material, I'm not going to, I'm going to be the bigger person, I guess. And I'm not going to sit here and talk negatively about them. I think it's better that everybody buy their books uh, from independent bookstores whenever possible. But if you, if you can't get to one of those, or maybe you don't have a favorite bookstore and you say, Steve, I don't care about that. I just want to want the book. You can order it through Amazon you can order it through booksmillion.com. You can order it through barnesandnoble.com. They won't be signed, but you'll have them. And you can see me at a later date, and I'll be happy to sign them for you. But go to uh, Amazon, look for Steve Robertson, Blooms of Oleander. And again, thank you guys so much for your support. And, you know, listen, I never expect this thing to do anything close to what the, uh, the sports books do. But I got to say, I'm pretty happy with how this has gone so far. And the reviews have been great. And, and I don't I don't mean the online reviews. I mean, you know, the people that like this on their of their own volition reach out to me and say, hey, Steve, listen, wasn't expecting this from you. Really appreciate this. Or this poem kind of reminds me of where I was at a point in my life or where I'm at right now. And we've kind of connected. And I think that's an amazing thing. It's one of the most beautiful things about art is when you put your, your heart into something, the reward in all that is for somebody else to come back and say, you know what? I feel the same way or I felt that way or I know that feeling. And I think it reminds us that we're not alone. So there you go, uh, Blooms of Oleander. And speaking of other things, too, the um, <laughs> I don't want to spend a lot of time but, you know, talking about this, but um, guys, our friends at the Clarion Ledger are really struggling. I mean, they are really, really, really struggling. And I don't. And as Dave Murray likes to say, you know, Dave Murray is, uh, has been a, a mentor of mine for many years. And even before I knew Dave Murray, I was very jealous of Dave Murray because he got to cover Mississippi State for a living and wrote the dogs by a little newspaper tabloid thing. And I always thought that was the coolest job. I mean, how does this guy get a job just covering Mississippi State? thought it was incredible. And now I work with David. Uh, so, yeah, life's good. But um, 
You know, Dave always says, don't attribute to malice what can be explained through incompetence. And listen, I get it, man. When the Hedermans ran the Clarion Ledger, it was very much an old Miss rag. And in, in many respects, that influence is still prevalent in that institution. But when you've got that on your side and then you've got, you know, kind of the downfall of the newspaper industry. And basically, we've seen Gannett basically just kind of crumble before our eyes. Man, it is really, really, really a shadow of its former self. It was once a great newspaper for the state of Mississippi. Now, maybe not sports related. It was a great newspaper in the state of Mississippi, at least through my youth. I know the years, uh, you know, during the 60s and 70s, it was uh, it was not a great paper. It was not. Their editorial columns are absolutely shameful. You can call some of those things up on Google if you'd like. But, um, you know, so what I found out today is that uh, the Clarion Ledger had had teased that they were going to have this uh, expanded edition with a whole section about Mississippi State's College World Series national champion, which I thought was great. That's what you should do. I mean, if you're in the business of selling papers, then you need to put content in there that attracts readers, right? So much of the time that we were in Omaha, the Clarion Ledger did not cover the College World Series. And what I mean by that, they may have written some stories remotely. They did not have a reporter on hand, on the row, for much of the event. I believe Nick Suss showed up, and it's not Nick's fault, so I don't want you to go tweet at Nick. Nick's just doing what his, you know, what his company's asked him to do and what they're willing to pay for. So Nick uh, is kind of pinch-hitting because they don't have a Mississippi State beat writer now, and obviously he'll miss it and play in baseball. <laughs> so Nick jumps in the, uh, in the airplane and flies over there, and he's there for the bracket final against Texas and then stayed through the championship series. And so – they have not had boots on the ground much of the College World Series. And so, yeah, I guess they're trying to kind of make up for it. And also, too, newspaper business, the industry is a business. It is a for-profit business. And so I think it's kind of a dirty trick. And, and you know, maybe one of those things, too, where they didn't intend for this to happen. But there were a lot of people that went out and bought those papers and bought multiple papers based on that tip, based on that tweet of, hey, look for Section E. And people went out and bought four and five papers, and they get them home and find out that there is no Section E. And then the ledgers come out and said, hey, you're still going to get it. We're going to have it in tomorrow's paper. Well, what about those people that went out and bought the paper on Sunday? They're not regular subscribers. Now, it's a great deal for the ledger because everybody goes and buys that expensive, uh, you know, basically cover for a, hand, a bunch of advertisements. And then I got to go buy a paper again on Monday. That's not fair. And I say, well, we're going to hand some out. Well, what, you know, what if I don't live in Jackson? I, I'm not interested in it. So, and just so you guys know, before I left Omaha, I went and bought an Omaha World newspaper that had Mississippi State on the cover, had uh, Kellum Clark. And the title was Flexing Their Muscles as We Won the College World Series. To me, that paper is a little more meaningful to me. And not all of you obviously had the opportunity to go to Omaha. But uh, listen, if you're looking for an in-state paper to commemorate, you know, this this whole deal, let me encourage you. Look at the folks at Starville Daily News. Last I heard, they had sold about 4,000 4, copies of that, uh, that front page display they did. And Danny P. Smith and those guys do a great job. So if you want to get the ledger, get the ledger. Okay, that's your business. I won't tell you how to spend your money. But if you're thinking, you know what, Steve, I really I just want something nice to frame, put on the wall. 
you know, I don't know what the folks at Omaha are doing, but I know what the people at the Starville Daily News are doing. And listen, it's going to take some time, okay? They even put up, made a release that, you know, the demand had been so overwhelming, they're a little bit behind. And I've, goodness, I've seen so many of our Starville vendors. I was uh, signing books, went to sign books at the uh, bookmark when I got back, and it was packed. I mean, it's like everybody's walking around, coming to the celebration, and it's like a game day out there, you know? And so, thankfully... You know, with the Bulldogs coming through and winning a national championship, a lot of our, our Starkville vendors are having a nice run here, you know, in, in the summer to be able to ring the register a little bit. So thank you guys for that. And let me always encourage you, when you're buying Mississippi State merchandise, please support our Starkville vendors. Please do. Many of them are institutions. These are people that bleed maroon and love Mississippi State. And don't be suckered by these Facebook ads. I mean, guys, please. You're going to get, you know, you know how the algorithms work, right? If you're searching for Mississippi State merch, next thing you know, all your sponsored ads on your Facebook feed are going to be these uh, poorly crafted T-shirts by some foreign company that uh, no no benefit goes to the university. It's not officially licensed. So I, I get it. We all want to get our hands on as much Mississippi State championship merch as we can. But buyer beware, okay? And please, that's the thing, too. Like, I went down to Bookmark Cafe, bought some shirts. One of them didn't fit. You know what? i got to bring them back. And I'm going to be able to do that with no trouble. But please, you know, think it through. I know, again, we're all excited. We've all got the debit card out. Probably spend more money than we should. But we're thinking, you know what? I'm going to wear my championship shirts all the time. And I wore one uh, for my birthday, wore another one today, and uh, might wear one from now on. Because I'm very excited about this. But, again, there's a lot of ways to kind of commemorate this. And, again, I encourage you, whenever possible, please support our Starkville vendors. They need you. 2020 was an incredibly difficult year for them, if you recall, too. We had so many restrictions for football for most of the time and early part of baseball. And so a lot of you guys couldn't get here. And so now we're just trying to kind of rebound a little bit from that, you know, those losses. So, uh, check it out. Let me know. And also, too, I, I did some research, and I was actually wrong because I didn't. You know, I had to look at a lot of different stuff, and I missed one. But guys, it looks like Chris Lamonas is probably the fur the closest to winning in Omaha, the fastest. And what I mean by that is, so Paul Maneri went to LSU, and in his third season there, he wins a national championship. Well, Chris Lamonas did the same thing. However. We didn't play in Omaha in 2020. So technically, you know, Chris does it in two full seasons. And so it's kind of an asterisk there, I guess, in that respect. Not that we believe in asterisks, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But the fact that Lamonis does it so quickly is pretty remarkable. I mean, when you, you go back and look, and there, there's been a lot of you know teams that have won it more than once, and a lot of coaches that have won it more than once, but there hadn't been many that's won it in their second trip. And Chris has been back-to-back years, and we would have gone last year too. We might have won it last year. I don't know. I'm not scared to say it. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that, uh, listen, no matter if he's the fastest to do it or the second fastest or the third fastest, man, he did it awfully quick. And so that's the thing you kind of get excited about. And, we, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this later in the show about the youth of this team. I don't know if you realize it. Mississippi State's one of the youngest teams in the Southeastern Conference Western Division. Let that sink in. Let that marinate a little bit. We'll get around to that a little bit later in the show. But I, I'm, I'm excited about it. You should be excited about it. 
we we have won a national championship. I'm not I'm not I'm not ready to stop talking about it. I might just make it a tagline on all my tweets. I might go ahead and you know make it in on my emails. Just put it like it's my tag on my emails. 2021 College Baseball National Champions. Stick it. Waited for this a long time. I'm just going to move on. I read all these tweets and people are saying, well, how long are you going to talk about it? Well, from now on. How about that? I'm going to talk about it from now on. I'm going to live with it. I'm going to get a tattoo to my body. I might even I might even put it somewhere so prominent that every time you talk to me you're gonna see it. I don't have a lot of room left on my limbs, so I gotta be I gotta be smart about that. But I'm gonna do what I want to do, and you should too. And not gonna take any lip from anybody about it. Not gonna do it. Matter of fact, I tweeted out a brand new social media policy. If you are a fan of a team that has not won the College World Series, I'm not gonna answer your questions without you paying me. How about that? And of course, I'm being a little bit silly there, but. You know, I'm not going to sit here and listen to any slander about Mississippi State or about the validity of this championship. Those are just haters. And you know what? I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they tweet. I don't care how they feel. I don't care what they put on Facebook. I don't care how many friends they have that agree with them. I don't care. We won it on the field. They put a tournament together. We went and played on our side of the bracket. There was no issues on our side of the bracket. We beat everybody they put in front of us. Vanderbilt emerged out of the other bracket. And then we beat them too. And we beat the crap out of them in games two and three. So there is no question about who the best team in college baseball is. And some would say, well, Steve, Arkansas was number one. Well, you know what? In 89, we were number one and we didn't get to hang a banner. So we're not going to start that now. I feel bad for Arkansas but not bad enough to give them a trophy, not bad enough to say, well, you know what, I just feel so bad for them because we know how it feels. You know, there's, there's a tournament. I don't know if you guys remember this. There's a tournament. It's not a matter of opinion. We actually play baseball games, and Arkansas didn't win. It's as simple as that. They didn't win. You think, you think anybody at Arkansas felt bad for us back in 2016? We were the SEC champions. We get upset by Arizona in a super regional. Had a kid that doesn't hit home runs, hit a home run. They beat us. Because if we get to game three, they don't have any pitching left. We're going to roll them. We got upset. Upsets happen in college baseball. It's part of sports. Did anybody from Arkansas go to bat for us and say, hey, hey, guys, listen. I think you guys should give Mississippi State a little uh, – Maybe a little boost in the polls because, you know, we kind of feel bad for how things happen. That's sports, man. You get beat. You move on. It's life. Arkansas barely got out of their regional. We go back to this whole SEC tournament thing. We've been there before, too. Back Was it 12? We go out there and win the SEC tournament and had to play in that heat for, what, five, six straight days? By the time we got to a regional, we were gassed. Arkansas made it a goal this year. We're going to win the regular season championship, which they did, but a couple games. You know, if we win a couple ball games, we just won one against Arkansas. We share the title. Then they wanted to win the SEC tournament, which I'm sure it means a lot to teams that don't make it to Omaha, but it's not a big deal to win the SEC tournament. That's not how we crown our champion in this league. We crown our champion based on the SEC regular season standings. We give our automatic berth to the NCAA tournament in the SEC tournament. That's how we do it. Do you think in hindsight that Arkansas will be willing to trade that SEC tournament championship trophy to us for 
the NCAA National Championship trophy, you bet they would. And again, I think it goes back to you look at Chris Mullis' approach in Hoover, and as embarrassing as that was, and as frustrating as it was, and I was like all of you too, it stunk. And the main reason that it stunk is because it, it built doubt in our own minds, right? It's like, oh my gosh, we're doing so great. We got a chance to be number one national seed. And next thing you know, everybody in the country in the national college baseball media is saying, you want Mississippi State might not even be a national seed, much less be in the top half of the group. It worked out perfect for us, though. We ended up being number seven. Opposite Arkansas and Vanderbilt, and Arkansas didn't make it, then we beat Vanderbilt in the championship. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. But we play a tournament. You play it on the field. They didn't make it. So I don't have to listen to any of that stuff. And nor should you. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that after the break. Listen, on my birthday, I went and had uh, dinner at Bulldog Burger Company before I went to the movies. And, of course, I had the pimentology ad bacon. My server was Brandon, who was a really, really nice kid. Really nice guy. I hate to call him a kid. I don't know how old he is. But uh, he's around the age of many of my kids. But... Uh, Really did a nice job. It was a great experience, as always. Had the spring rolls, and immediately I could tell that I was better looking because, like, everybody in the place was looking at me, right? And that's the only reason why they would look at me. But it was great. And I hadn't had the pimentology I had bacon for a while, you know, because I've been on that grilled chicken club kick. But, uh, man, I loved that pimentology I had bacon. And even Brandon says, you know what? I've had the pimentology, but I hadn't had it with bacon. Yeah, I'm thinking, what are you doing with your life? That's, to me, it is the perfect combination. Trust me on this. Even if you don't like pimento and cheese sandwiches, and I hate them. I absolutely hate pimento and cheese sandwiches. Every dinner on the grounds, man, when I was a kid, you get dragged out there and mom makes your plate and I got some stupid pimento and cheese sandwich on there. Oh, well, you need to eat all your food before you get dessert. I was just trying to find a tree to throw that, that thing behind. But I love the pimentology at bacon. I don't know what it is about it. It's got just enough pimento flavor in it where I can taste it, but it's not overbearing. Go check it out today. Three great locations to serve you. Lake Harbor Drive there in Reds 1, University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. It is my favorite burger joint. And uh, when I was so happy to pick them up as a sponsor just because of the fact that, you know, I like to do business with people that I already do business with. And it's been wonderful. It's been a great experience. And you guys have been so great to go out and support them. And I have people all the time that send me you know, the pictures, their tweets, and I, I love it. I'm Thank you guys for supporting our sponsors. And Bulldog Burger Company, I would not be with them if I did not believe in them. It's a great place to work. It's a great place to eat. I am in there regularly. I love that place. You will, too. I promise you, your kids right now, if you said, hey, where do you want to eat? Bulldog Burger Company. That's what they're going to say. I hear it all the time. So go check them out. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so let's get back to our previous topic here. So one of the things that I want to really kind of yeah, impress upon you guys is um, I, I don't care what other people say or think. I mean, it just it absolutely means nothing to me. And the opinions of rival fans are less valuable to me than the dirt on the bottom of my Chuck Taylors. I mean, that honestly is exactly how I feel about their opinions when it comes to Mississippi State. I don't care what they think. I don't care how they feel. I don't care if they're upset or challenged or in tears or angry, ready to throw things because Mississippi State won a national championship. First of all, 
we earned that national championship. We earned it. Nobody gave it to us. They didn't uh, decide that the college baseball World Series diamond was not playable up to a championship standard and just gift us a couple of rounds along. They didn't eliminate some teams because of that. We went out and played baseball. We had rain delays. We had other issues going on. We had things not related to Mississippi State that we had to deal with. We had the whole NC State snafu, which we had nothing to do with. It wasn't even on our side of the bracket. Do I believe NC State would have beat Vanderbilt? To be honest with you, no, I don't. I just don't think they would have matched up with the pitching. I, I just don't. I don't think on Saturday, NC State at full strength, maybe. Maybe you get them. But I think, too, because of the fact that um, they were holding Jack Leiter for Monday, you know, maybe that game is competitive. But you know what? If Vanderbilt loses on Saturday, they're out of the whole thing completely. So I, I just I don't think, even if they had said they were going to hold him, I think when the rubber met the road, Corbin was going to throw lighter because you got to make it to the finals. And you and I both know this. They were going to do whatever they had to do with lighter and, and rocker and try to win a championship. I mean, you know it. So at the end of the day, it's all speculation anyway. But like I see these people, so oh, there should be an asterisk next to that. Why should we care what you think? The NCAA didn't care what you think. The good people of Omaha didn't care what you think. And I don't even remember anybody asking you what you think. Oh, well, I think, who cares? It doesn't matter what you think, in the words of The Rock. Shut your mouth and know your role. It just really fires me up because I just think to myself, you know, it's, it's, it's not that they say it. It's just some of our people entertain it. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like. You know, if everybody felt like me, it would never get posted on Twitter. It would never get posted in Facebook groups. Everybody's like, oh, can you believe they said this? What does it matter what they say? It doesn't cheapen the accomplishment of what Mississippi State just did. So don't let those people steal your joy. That's one of the things I talked about on the show prior to Omaha. As things kind of begin to, to set up for us. Because one of my dogs is sleeping here and apparently dreaming and kicking me. Uh, so... You know, this is it was about us. And I shared with you guys, hey, let's let's don't even get in arguments with those people. Let's just kind of deal with our stuff. Let's focus on us. Let's enjoy what Mississippi State is doing. Uh, nobody cares what the also rans think when the blue bloods are playing. You already played your tournament games and you lost. So your opinions about the rest of the tournament are really invalid. So if I didn't care then, why should I care now? It's the whole thing, and one of my favorite sayings in life, I've heard some people say this so many times, I don't know who coined the phrase, but you know, in order for your opinion to bother me, I would first of all have to value your opinion. Well, I don't value their opinion, so it doesn't bother me. What bothers me is when we get, you know, we go screenshot it and put it into Facebook groups, and oh, can you believe this? Why spread the venom? Why spread the negativity? Who cares what they think? Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. 
And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20 minute video explaining step by step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do, I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit eufy video lock that's e-u-f-y official.com forward slash video lock and it's time for you to gain control of your door again that's eufy e-u-f-y yeah we had a great celebration on friday and i commend all of you that came oh my gosh it was incredible and I'll be honest with you, I began to think, you know what, there might be a little maybe Omaha fatigue for a lot of people that maybe made the trip. But there were so many other people that couldn't make the trip that were just eager to see that trophy and eager to see our team and to love on them a little bit and, you know, share some enthusiasm and say goodbye to our, some, our departing Bulldogs. I could not believe it. I got there two hours early and half the grandstand was already filled and people were already following in the left field lounge. And I'm thinking, holy smokes. This is going to be incredible. And it was. And I'll be honest with you, I was absolutely exhausted. But I went and I interviewed a few fans. 
and just kind of ask them, why was it important to be here today? What does this mean to you? And I ended up by chance, and I'm a firm believer is that, you know, that uh, like the old expression goes, vulture, excuse me, fortune favors the bold. You know, I just go out there and just start talking to people. And lo and behold, I run across the first bat boy of the Paul Gregory era. A guy that used to run out there and pick up the bats back in 1961 and had a chance to talk to him. And he goes, you know what, Steve, I'm going to die a happy man because we've won a national championship. But I want one more before I go. And I said, amen, brother. That's exactly how I feel. I want about 10 before I go. I want to live long enough for us to – to become LSU or maybe USC, you know, USC's won 12 and won one since the seventies or excuse me, and won one since the early two thousands been what, 20 years. But, uh, that, that's a big fish to fry right there. But, uh, listen, yeah, we won't, now that we've got one, it's not that we're greedy. We're just a little bit needy. You know, we're just trying to make up for lost time and we've kind of finally punched through there. And so, you know, I heard other people that were like, they couldn't believe the turnout, and I'm beginning to think, have you not been paying attention to Mississippi State? Have you not been following our program even by afar a little bit? And people are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. This is who we are. When it comes to college baseball, we're going to show up, and we're going to sit out there, and we're going to earn it with every sweat, every drop of sweat that we drop in the Starkville sun. We're going to be there to support the Diamond Dogs. That's just kind of, that's what it is. And we've been waiting our whole lives for this moment to see our coach walk out there with the NCAA Tournament Championship Trophy. We've waited forever. We've gotten so close a couple times. We nearly won it in women's basketball here a couple years ago. Should have won it. We should have. Still just didn't fall our way. And I think in many ways that makes days like Friday all the more special. You know what? I wish we had multiple championships in multiple sports and we just felt great about life all the time. But I think the long-suffering Mississippi State fan says, you know what? I'm going to that stadium. And I'll be honest with you, when I got on the elevator and I hit the button to go up and it it hit me, man, I'm not going to be back in this building for a long time. Maybe a little bit sad. But at the same time, I thought, you know what? It's already July because of this elongated baseball season. I've really only got a few weeks to kind of rest and get to work on some other things. And we're going to be getting ready to cover football. We're going to be on the road for football in less than 60 days. How about that? How cool is that? Thanks, Bulldogs. Football season started a lot earlier other places around the country. I've read some things, too, that I find of interest. The, um, you know, some of the comments we talk about. I have seen some funny ones, too. And I won't embarrass the guy and use his name, but I know his real name. But uh, he's an old Miss guy. He's, he messages me, you know, regularly. And he's really he's a real, really level headed guy. Obviously, he's uh, you know an older guy. But uh, I say older, not not you know much older than me. But he's he's a guy that's mature. Let's just say that he's got some seasoning on him. And he made a he made a post that I laughed at, and he said, um, "Man, this couldn't be better PR for state. You know, they're playing well. It's a national audience." And there's all these dramatic comebacks. And it seems like the cameras always find their hot women. And let me just tell you guys this, if there's some big secret out there, all of our women are hot. Some are just hotter than others. But I think it's so funny that for people that are so caught up in image, that that's what registered with them is that, oh, my gosh, that this is what a great recruiting tool. They're showing all their hot women. <laughs> and I can only laugh about that, you know, because I think, you know, <laughs> Listen, I love hot women as much as the next guy, probably more than most. But 
I was more concerned about the baseball. And I think, you know, if, I, if I'm an enemy of Mississippi State, it's not the women I'm worried about. It's the boys on the field. It's the young men out there winning a ball game because that's what helps recruiting. That's what helps you get the big-time players. I mean, listen, every, every guy on a recruiting visit comes out, has a steak dinner, dance with a pretty girl. That's going to happen everywhere you go. But you know what? The chance to, to legitimately win a national championship, that doesn't happen everywhere. Doesn't happen everywhere. It's funny because everybody talks about it. Hey, you know, we're, we're, our goal is to win the national championship, but they've never done it. And we were in that boat up until a week ago. We've been so close, and that's always the sales pitch. You know, hey, listen, if we'd had you, we'd have won the whole thing. Oh, Coach, for real? Yeah, but you are missing piece. You know, now our recruiting pitch can change a little bit. So, you know what? There's some guys up the road. There's some guys out to the east. There's some guys to the west and some other people that are, that are recruiting you and you know, they're, they're going to go out there going to tell you, hey, listen, we're competing for an SEC championship, but when's the last time they won one? And, hey, guys, we're going to go out and win a NFL championship. And then you can say, well, well, Coach, when's the last time you've been to Omaha? When's the last time you won a Super Regional? Oh, well, when you get here, we're going to do that. But you know what? They're not. You won't because it's a cultural issue. It's not a coaching issue. It's not a talent issue. It's a cultural issue. Yeah, you and I both know this. And I shared this with you guys on the show multiple times. The whole time I was in Omaha, like from the moment that I got in the car to leave Starkville, it was an emotional experience for me. Because in my heart, I just felt like we're going to do it. And I was so worried that maybe maybe the ghosts of Mississippi State Pass would pop up and remind us that we, we're not supposed to do these kind of things. But I think maybe having some players like Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan that maybe grew up fans of other teams might have helped us a little bit because they didn't buy into that whole old poor Mississippi State narrative. It's like, no, nah, we're going to go win this thing because we are Mississippi State. And so a new Mississippi State has been born. And that's that sounds kind of guru-ish, but it's true because now we know we can do it. Well, we, we knew we could get there. We've been there. And now we know what it takes to win it. And there are a lot of other people out there competing against us that have no idea how difficult it is to win. I thought, really, I thought Tim Corbin uh, really illustrated it really well in the post game. And, and I, I share with some people, too, you go back and watch his post games after the NC State thing. And, and, I, and I said on the show, too, I, I thought he was out of line. I really thought he came across very insensitive to what NC State was dealing with. He sought to remedy that in his very next media opportunity. But if you look at his face, post-game on Monday, post-game on Tuesday, his countenance was much different than it was on Wednesday. Wednesday, he looked a lot more relaxed. And they had just gotten the brains beat out of him, right? Nine-nothing, he got one hit. He got absolutely exposed by an elite pitching staff. But I thought he explained it well. And again, you look at the video, you can see for yourself, he, he looked like a different person because the grind of Omaha is incredibly intense. You stay up a lot, you scout a lot, you work the phones a lot, and then you got to go out there and play against the best teams in the country. More times than not, it's an elimination game too. But he explained how hard it is to win the national championship. And he spoke at length about that. He goes, I don't think people fully appreciate how hard it is to win. And until we won it, I didn't either. And maybe you guys feel the same way. It's like, oh, it's just in the ballgame. It's not. 
it's not just another ball game. I mean, every pitch matters. And I was trying to explain, Roy and I talked about this, and I explained this to my son, Ani. It's like, if you've never been to Omaha, TV does not do it justice when it comes to the tension that fills the air. Because what happens is every pitch, every pitch, it's not just because there's 24,000 people there. It's not just because it's a national audience. But everybody there, there is an emotional reaction to every pitch. Every pitch. It's just like, you know, a pitcher would throw over to first and the crowd boos. A guy throws a you know fastball, two balls off the plate, and you know the fans are all thinking it's a strike, and everybody's like groaning and griping and everything else, and you know everything is magnified. Everything about the game of baseball is put under a microscope, and if you don't think that gets to those players and coaches, you're kidding yourself. It is the ultimate fishbowl when it comes to college baseball, because all night long you've had the best coaches and analytics people in the in the college game breaking down all your tendencies, checking out what your spin rate is. What do you do here? What do you do there? How do you respond to this? How do you do that? And so those people are so incredibly informed and so incredibly prepared with more information than any college coaching staff has ever had in any year prior to this one. And the pressure cooker only gets bigger from here. And so – you know, we've been there. You know, it's like when we had the Oregon State deal a couple of years ago in 18. And listen, I love that team to death. I do. One, and the most unlikely team to ever make it to Omaha for, in, in Mississippi State history. When you consider all that we went through that year, just absolutely, there's no reason. But those young men felt differently. Hunter Stovall, Peyton Plumley, Jake Mangum, those guys. I mean, Peyton Plumley, I guess, was uh, just kind of hanging around back then. But, uh, you know, those guys just decided, you know, hey, we're going to write the ending of the story, but we got there and we ran into Oregon State, who was the best team in the country. And I think we said, you know what, hey, we'd love to win this game and just continue to ride and get a chance to go play for it all. And you know what, we we weren't good enough to win it all that year. We weren't good enough to get out of the bracket. But I think the lessons learned there by T.A. and Rowdy and Josh Hatcher to a lesser extent – that served us well this week because we had been to the threshold. We had won the first game and then lost the second game in 19. We had won the second game in 18. So we knew it wasn't time to celebrate. You know, like you, you go into an NCAA regional and you win the first two ball games and you, you think, oh, we got this. They're all going to run out of pitching. Well, you get so much rest in Omaha, it'll change a little bit next year because they're trying to make it easier for the fans. But, uh, you know, you go out there and it's it's not the same. You know, you're not guaranteed to see somebody's midweek guy to close out a regional. You might even see somebody's number one come back. That's just kind of how it works. And so it's much more difficult to win in Omaha to win that bracket. And that's what happened to us. You know, w- w- this past year, w- we saw Ty Madden twice. Three times total for the year. We beat him one week, and then what does he do? He comes back and makes some adjustments and beats us in the second game. We did enough to win. We came back and tied it, if you recall, but we just we couldn't close it out. But I look at all this, and I just begin, you know, it, it's I have a new understanding 
and a new respect for what it takes to win the NAFL championship. When you're there around the players and you attend all the media sessions and you hear what they say and then you walk up down the hallways and you talk to other people in the media and you just kind of get a sense, you know, this is a much bigger deal than maybe I, I appreciated it to be. Maybe I thought, well, you know, we talk about, oh, we've been so close so many times. I don't know how close we've really been. Because I don't know if we had what it took to be number one. Now, 85 is a little different. You know, luck kind of worked against us there. Because, you know, that's the thing we, we talk about in hindsight. You know, we get hit by the Gene Morgan thing, right? Now, talking to Gene in Omaha, and he's so incredibly gracious. Oh, my gosh, Gene's such a good guy. You know, we win that ball game. We're, we're already advancing to the weekend and have to be twice. Then it would be Miami and Texas playing an elimination game, and then they would be one loss away from being eliminated. Well, we didn't win that ball game. And then we have a chance to play Miami, and we beat them. Then we have to go beat Texas twice, but Texas was out pitching. But you know what? We probably had a team capable of winning it all then. But you know what? We, there's still the bitter disappointment of 84 still kind of lingered. And we don't really know for sure, despite the fact that Will and Rafi and those guys were so confident and so talented, we don't know how they would have performed in a national final. We don't know. We didn't get there. We talk so much about the 89 team, but the best offensive team in school history. And then we got upset by North Carolina. You know, a couple of soft tossing guys from North Carolina upset us and sent us home. And that's still a burr in the Bulldog saddle. And as great as that team was, and I still think it's, you know, and I've had some discussions recently where people disagree with me. And maybe I remember those teams so fondly because they're the teams of my youth. But, you know, I think that 89 team, to this day, I think I'd put them up against uh, just about anybody, maybe them in a 16 team, you know. But, again, we don't know how that team would have performed in Omaha. We don't. We think we do, but we don't know. Because nobody on that roster had been. You know, it's easy you know, to take the Arkansas path and say, hey, listen, they dominated all the regular season, man. But in Omaha, it's a different animal. It's a lot different. And so how do we know that 89 Bulldog team would have been able to perform on the big stage? Of course, if we end up going in 90, what, kind of, what was supposed to be a rebuilding year for us, we go back. But we didn't go up there and perform exceptionally well. You know, maybe that maybe that 90 team fares better if 89 had made it. Because then you know what it takes to get to Omaha and win a baseball game. Those are the things that I think about. 2016, you say, man, all those big leaguers were on that team, and that's true, a very talented team. But we don't know. We don't know what they would have done if they got in Omaha. And I think that's, again, that's the underlying issue in this story. We went three years in a row – and every year, we got a better understanding of how difficult it is to win a game in Omaha, Nebraska. And that's one of the things we, we worried a little bit about, you know, against Vanderbilt. Because, you know, Vanderbilt had been there. Vanderbilt won it the last time we were there. So they had some experience. And a lot of this team is new. But that coaching staff and a lot of those veterans, they, they understood full well how difficult it is to win in Omaha. And now that we've done it, you know, my hope is we can get back and we're going to talk about some of that a little bit later in the show. But, you know, now that we understand the personal commitment that it takes, the personal 
you know, allegiance to a team that's required, you know, doing the little things, accepting a role that maybe is beneath your own expectations because it's better for the team. You think Braylon Skinner, Josh Hatchery, you think those guys didn't want to be starting? They did. They had their opportunities. It didn't work out, so we used them in other ways. That's not to say that Skinner won't come back and be a great job for us next year. But guys have to be willing to be team first players. And we had a bunch of those guys this year. That doesn't mean, again, doesn't mean that they wanted to want a bigger role. I mean, Houston Harding was chomping at the bit all year. He's mowing people down in midweek. He finally gets an opportunity. Things didn't go well, but we you know we, we kind of circle back to him. Got pitches in two of the biggest ball games in Mississippi State baseball history, and we win both of them. I give them honest a lot of credit for pushing the right buttons this year. And I know, listen, I know he's had a lot of detractors, and you know, there's always people out there. For some reason, when it comes to baseball, you know, I guess because we all played it in the front yard with a wolf ball and bat at some point, played a little league, might have played a little travel ball, whatever. It's like we all think that you know. We know more than the coach. You know, we don't know his personnel. We don't know his scouting report. We don't know the health report. You don't know. It's just like everybody losing their mind about, uh, you know, us not bringing Landon Sims in, you know, in that first elimination game against Texas. And, well, you know, Steve, we can hold it where it is. Maybe he can go a couple innings. Guys, he had about three outs in him. By his own admission. You burn him in that ball game and you lose, you're probably singing a different song today. I'm not going to reopen an old wound there. But, uh, you know, we don't know the conversations that go on between a coach and player behind closed doors. We're not, we're not privy to that information. And so when Chris Simonis decides not to throw a guy, I assume there's a good reason. It's not just because he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He's going what he thinks is the best and healthiest option. I'll give you a good example, Brendan Smith. Brendan Smith's a great pitcher. Brendan Smith's also a year removed from Tommy John surgery. And still put up some good numbers for us. Yeah, he had some outings, things didn't go well. Tried to push it a little bit at times. But, you know, we didn't push him out there unless he fell close to 100%. It'll be a different year next year because he'll have a little more time. He's not going to pitch a whole lot this summer. He'll do he'll do some things. He'll work out here, get stronger, get ready for the season. He knows this is his next – this next year is his year. But a lot of times we look up and say, well, why are we using this guy? Why are we using that guy? Well, sometimes they're just the best available option on the health report. Sometimes it's a matchup deal. And so I just, again, I think now when with the fact that we have won it, you know, maybe, just maybe, a few of us can look at it and say, you know what, maybe Lamontos knows better than me. He did win an NFL championship after all. All right, let's get the top 10 list brought to you by Johnny Packer. I got a message today from both Brandon and John Packer. They're going to introduce some new frames just for you guys called the Omaha frames. How cool is that? Omaha frames at johnnypacker.com. If you're looking for sunglasses, man, the eyeglass industry is booming. And here's what you can do. You can go online and buy some real cheap glasses, and you're going to soon learn the difference between price and cost. Because you're going to buy them, and they're going to be crappy sunglasses. They're not going to fit your face. You're going to be glad when you lose them because it gives you an excuse to go buy some more. So rather than go buy four or five pair of those little cheap gas station sunglasses, that don't work anyway, invest in some quality eyewear at johnnypacker.com. And again, if you find frames you like and they show that they're sold out, don't panic. Shoot them a link at the con- or shoot them an email to contact us link. They'll get you taken care of. And again, Omaha frames coming soon. The blue light glass is now available too for people that sit behind a computer all day like me. 
A lot of good options to choose from. And by being a Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little money, 10% off, by using promo code Boneyard. And a portion of every purchase goes directly to Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. It is a charitable organization that I absolutely support 100%. John Packer himself has dealt with CF, and now he's doing what he can to help improve the quality of life for many other people who suffer from that dreadful illness. Again, that's johnnypacker.com, promo code Boneyard. Go check them out today. Top 10 list. I'm going with one of my more recent favorites, and Roy has never heard of this band. So I'm sure some of you are going to be the same way, right? And so I have been out a little bit here as of late and uh, had some of my students come up and say, hey, Steve, love your taste in music. Well, this is one of mine. Okay, this is this is my favorite, one of my favorites. When, when I'm on the road a lot, you know, I don't like listening to um, a lot of ballads, not because I don't want to be in my feelings or whatever, because maybe I'm constantly there anyway, but when I'm on the road, sometimes I want good road tunes. I want some, you know, up-tempo stuff, some hard-charging stuff. I want some things that kind of get my blood pumping a little bit. And, and one of my favorite bands from across the pond is a band called Bullet For My Valentine. Don't let the name fool you. They're not an emo band. They're a melodic, heavy metal band. I absolutely love them. Matt Tuck is great. Great singer, songwriter, guitar player. Got a great image if you're into that sort of thing, too. But uh, I listen to these guys because they are different. Now, I'm going to just be honest with you right now. They've got some songs that are kind of radio friendly, and they've got some others that are not. They've got some songs that sound, you know, kind of like, you know, maybe classic heavy metal. And then they got some other songs that are not. And so there's a lot of range with this band. I have seen them play live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They opened for Event Sevenfold. They were absolutely phenomenal. I was already a big fan, and then after seeing them live, I became a bigger fan. Uh, I've got, I guess, uh, they got six, they're working on album number seven right now. They just released the first single, the forthcoming album. It's a new track called Knives, and it is heavier than a lot of, what, a lot of things they've done in recent years. I like the album Gravity. The critics didn't like it, but I think there's some real high points on there. My favorite album from them is uh, Fever. I think Fever is kind of like, uh, to kind of equate it to more of a you know, classic band you guys are familiar with. It's like, when you know, when U2 released the Joshua Tree, it was like they had kind of found their sound. That's kind of how this was for me. When, when Fever, the album Fever comes out, I think Bullet kind of found their identity. And, we, and those of us that are in the cool kids section call them Bullet. So Bullet for my Valentine Top 10. I got a few honorable mentions. And I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get messages from some of you guys. Say, Steve, I never heard of that band. I love them. And other people are going to say, Steve, it's not my cup of tea. And then other people are going to say, Steve, I'm so glad you finally did Bullet. I love these people that think I'm only like an, an 80s rocker. <laughs> if, you, if you saw my phone, man, it's like the United Nations. But, uh, you know, I, I love rock music and I love people that are kind of in your face. And that's kind of who Bullet is. They've got some, they've got some melodic stuff, too. Don't get me wrong. But, um, again, Bullet for My Valentine, an absolutely phenomenal modern-day rock band. They consider themselves a heavy metal band, and I would say that's probably correct. So here are a few honorable mentions that didn't make the list. All These Things I Hate Revolve Around Me. Uh, Waking the Demon, that's, that's, that's a fan favorite that people love to get played live because they want to get that mosh pit going. I like that song a lot, but not enough to put it in my top ten. And then uh, four words to choke upon. Four words to choke upon. Those are your honorable mentions for today. So here's your top ten 
Number 10 is a very special song to me. I could have put it higher on the list, but I didn't just want to make my, my personal, uh, you know, feelings. You know, kind of, there's a nostalgia aspect of this song that, um, that I want to share with you. You've heard me guys talk about my friend Scott Sorensen that passed away from pancreatic cancer. And, um, you know, Scotty was, um, we called him Scotty. He became Scott when he became a successful artist there in Fondren. But uh, Scotty was one of my first friends in recovery. I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking maybe the first 60 days in, you know, Scott Sorensen's my friend. And I uh, was kind of an accountability partner and uh, really helped kind of look after me and gave me somebody to hang out with when I was kind of uncomfortable in my own skin. And so I, I love Scott. And um, I get emotional thinking about this now, man, because I can't believe he's gone. And uh, I'm just so happy for him that he actually achieved some type of acclaim and some notoriety uh, through his skill uh, being an artist. And there's still some some swords and paintings kind of floating around down there and, and Fondra. And I don't know where that money goes anymore, but... You know, if you want to go grab some of it, I think it'd be a really cool thing. There's a mural down there for Scotty, and you know, right outside of Sneaky Beans, he uh, he put this incredible mural up on the wall of, of our of his friend Amy uh, smoking a long handled cigarette, and um, he is one of the most genuine people I have ever known. And so when Scotty died, immediately the sing the song that I thought about as I was kind of dealing with my own grief was uh, a song from Bullock called A Place Where You Belong, because I think he really struggled with that. I think he lost his parents at a very young age. He lost his uh, lost his dad when he was in high school, and then his mom died, I think, his freshman year of college. And so he was kind of – this whole thing about becoming a, an adult, he kind of had to figure that out on his own. It was very difficult for him. And then, he, you know, he went through a divorce, and uh, times were tough, and he relapsed for a while, and he came back, and you know, he died a sober man. And, and uh, those are the things that – I look at it. it's one thing that he shared with me too, is that he's when this is before he even got really sick. He said, uh, one of the things I want you to promise me is when I go that when they if they ever write it in, about it in the paper, you know, like a lot of alcoholics, whatever they they always put, uh, you know, he died while drinking or whatever. He goes, make sure they write that I died while not drinking, and that was one of his goals is he wanted to die sober, and so and so he did. And uh, Scott, I love you, and. Uh, so grateful that our paths have crossed. And so I guess the rest of my life, that song will, will, will remind me of him, but it's a place where you belong. Number nine, a little more contrast there is Tears Don't Fall. It's a little more melodic than some of the other stuff. This was a huge hit for them in England and Europe and, and in the United States and uh, got a lot of heat on, uh, you know, Sirius XM, Octane and channels like that. Number eight, the title track off of, uh, I guess it's the second album. It's uh, Hearts, Bur- Hearts Burst. And I guess it's, that's, a, that's not a title track, but it's Hearts Burst Into Fire. That's a great one. That's one that's a little more, you know, it's a little more melodic, I guess, than some of the other stuff. They went a lot more up-tempo in later albums. Like the first album comes out, and they're pretty heavy. The second album comes out, and it was almost a little more corporate radio sounding. And then when Fever came out, they kind of you know, kind of caught caught their fire, I believe. But hearts burst into fire. Number seven. This is uh, this is a song that's kind of like words for living. I, I listen to this one all the time, and uh, this is one of those things you think to yourself, "I didn't write this, but man, I wish I could have, and I probably could. I've lived it." But number seven on the list is "You Want a Battle? Here's a War." That's exactly how I feel. 
I'll live in peace if I can, but my gosh, if you come after me, I will do everything I can to finish you. That's exactly how I feel. And maybe that that stems from insecurity or whatever, but uh, again, I'm a person that's happy to live in peace. But um, if you you want the battle, I'll absolutely bring the war. Number six, and this is the title track off the second album. It's Scream, Aim, and Fire. This is a very angry song. There is a uh, there is some incredible technical guitar playing in this song, and that's one of the things I think really separates Bullet from a lot of their contemporaries. Is it's not just a bunch of racket with a bunch of noise, and then some vocals sung over it. You know, there's a lot of people that can't sing that are yelling over you know a bunch of two and three chord progressions that call themselves a band. Uh, Bullet is incredibly technical. The layered guitar play is just phenomenal. They really key off of each other. And that really shows on this one, scream, aim, fire. And the vocals down the stretch, I love the breakdown late in the song when it come out of the guitar solo. That, that heavy guttural vocal gets to me every time. Number five, and this is off the Gravity album. It was the first single off of Gravity. And again, didn't get the critical acclaim with some of the other albums, but I dug it, man. It's over it. And I really thought, you know, sonically, Gravity it might be their best album. I don't know what they did different production value-wise, but I thought it was great. Uh, back to the Fever album, and to me, these last four, I can't be talked out of these. I absolutely can't. I mean, I think this is the perfect order for them, and I absolutely dig these, and I can't play them loud enough. But number four on the list is off the album Fever, the title track, Fever. Uh, it's about going to a strip club. And it's just about having a good time. You know, you've had a tough week at work or whatever, and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to go out here and just, you know, absolutely self-destruct in many respects. So it's a good time and song. But, man, I tell you, that driving guitar riff, if that doesn't doesn't get you moving, I don't know what's wrong with you. It is just one of those songs that the vocals match, (laughs) match the music perfectly. I love the percussion on this, but man, the, what jumps out to me is just that driving guitar riff. Number three, the second single off the album, Gravity, and this is one of those, for some reason, it just sounds even better in my car than most other stuff, because no matter how loud I play it, the better it sounds, and it's a song letting you go. I love the intro to it. I love how this kind of comes in with a guitar by itself, and the next thing you know, the drums come in, and you're, you're on the ride. But it's again, it's about a, um, you know, it's about a breakup. You know, first you want to love me, then you want to hate me. This is how I'm feeling. Now I'm letting you go. We've all been there. Might be there now. Number two, it's oddly enough, kind of goes along with that song. And it goes back a few years, too. It's a song called Bittersweet Memories. And I can actually play most of this on guitar, I'm proud to say. Um but Bittersweet Memories, I love the the dual guitar in this one. I think it's absolutely perfect. And, um, you know, it's kind of one of those um, kiss-off songs, I guess you could say. You know, it's like, I'm so glad that we're finished. I miss you a little bit. But, uh, but you know, take my pictures off your wall and put them on the floor and burn them. You know, that, that kind of thing. But number one, and I, I actually shared this with somebody years ago when – Somebody said, hey, listen, we're thinking about doing a new entrance at Mississippi State for football. Well, what song would you suggest? This is the one I suggested. It didn't get picked. And I'm still kind of salty about it. But it's Your Betrayal from Bullet For My Valentine. This is one of those songs. Man, 
the at that first two minutes doesn't doesn't do something to you, I, I don't know if we can be friends. I mean, it is the the percussion on it. It is almost like you're in a war. It is so incredibly perfect. And um, vocally, it's great. I think it's Matt Tuck's best work. Your Betrayal, the drums, the guitar, everything just kind of works together. It, it, to me, it is the undisputed best Bullet For My Valentine song. So I know many of you maybe are unfamiliar with their work. If you like hard rock, you're going to love this band. I tried to explain it to Roy is if you like Iron Maiden with a little more grit, that's just, this is your group. This is your group. Now, if if you've got delicate ears, you know, maybe you spend a lot of time listening to Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, you know, this might not be the band for you. Nothing against those people, but I'm just telling you, if you're if you're an easy listening type person, um, this might be a little bit more for you to bite off and you can chew. This is for serious rock fans, and I consider myself to be one. So there you go, Bullet from Valentine. You guys have uh, options. You have suggestions for the top 10 list. Reach out. Let me know. I have several. But listen, sometimes I like the newer suggestions better than the older ones. I'm just kind of feeling it. So I jump on it. And so now that I'm back in the office, too, and we've got plenty of time this summer where I'm not going to be traveling as much. And so we're going to get these things knocked out. So if you have sent one to me, I promise you I have forwarded it on to Roy and he updates a list about twice a month and then we'll start picking them off. But this one was for me. I was just feeling it. I've been jamming bullet for today. And I said, you know what? I, I should have already done this. So bullet from a Valentine. That's your top 10 list of those guys. Roy will have the Spotify list up. And, and uh, I don't know who Izzy Malabom is. I know, I know who he is from Seinfeld. But he has been, has graciously volunteered to put these things on iTunes for you guys. And so if you're not a Spotify person, you can now get it on Apple Music. So he responds to Roy's tweet. And so if you if you have been reluctant in the past to listen, there you go. All right, so uh, let's move on here. This next segment of show brought to you by CampusBookmart.net, your one-stop shop for College World Series merchandise involving your Bulldogs. And I've read so many people with glowing reviews that they've given Campus Bookmart and, and the lovely, talented Susie. I guess you guys think I'm joking when I tell you how cute she is. It, it is incredible. You got to go by and meet her. And it's not just her personal appearance. She has such an engaging personality. Uh, she absolutely is the right person to have running your show in retail. She is a great customer service rep. A Stan the man, saw him in Omaha doing great. I, I'm, I tried to get Stan to come out with us to the bars, but uh, I don't know if, if his wife would have allowed that. But um, anyway, it was just so great to see Stan out there. Miss Kathy Brown, everybody taking care of business. Uh, I'm going to do my best to get down there. This week, I got it's gonna be a busy week for me, and I, I'll explain more later. But you need to get down there, and if you can't make it, and as I mentioned at the opening of the show, shop online with these folks. Go to campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR. And I've had about a dozen people hit me up since I got back from Omaha saying, "Steve, what's the code?" It's BSR, and that stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Somebody suggested let's do it for Bulldog strikeout record, and I'm okay with that too. It works either way. BSR, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And listen, you know you're going to spend more than 50 bucks. So we're going to try to do our best to save you a little cash. Go again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. I'm going down there because I want some more uh, national championship shirts. I do. That's what I want. I got to go exchange some tomorrow, and I got to go buy some tomorrow. That's what I'm going to do. Because I don't know how long all this is going to last. 
So I'm going to enjoy it while it's here. All right. So I want to talk to you guys, too, about the SEC West in baseball. Now, these are not hard and fast numbers that I'm about to share with you. But because of the COVID year, you know, because there are some guys that are going to be draft eligible sophomores because of their age. In our case, there's going to be draft eligible freshmen as there will be Will Bednar. And listen, he's gone. Okay. As great as that picture was of him sitting on the mound, he is going to get life changing money here in about two weeks. And we'll wish him well. And we thank him for his accomplishments and his contributions to Mississippi State baseball. But I looked up some things today before I did the show because I have read with great interest all these people that talk about how we're such a veteran team. Now, you and I both know better, right? But I figured, well, maybe maybe I don't know enough about the SEC. I thought I might be wrong about that, but I'm mistaken. I am mistaken. We are the youngest team in the SEC West. How about that? Did you know that? We started the fewest number of upperclassmen in the SEC West. Oh, wait a minute. Are you for real? I'm 100% for real. So let's start with Arkansas. So Arkansas, and again, I'm not going to tell you all these guys are contributors, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm just going off the raw data. So Arkansas this year had seven seniors, 11 juniors, and then two grad transfers. Are, are you are you doing the math on that? It's 20. They had 20 upperclassmen on the roster this year. Now, of course, the rosters were expanded due to the COVID NCAA protocols and that sort of stuff. That is a ton of experience. This Arkansas team was built to win this year, which is why they dominated for you know several weekends of the SEC schedule. They kind of ran out of gas late. But they weren't necessarily as dominant maybe as the roster suggested, but they do play in the SEC. But this is the team that was built to win this year. They're going to lose a lot to the draft. They're going to lose some of graduation. And so it's going to be a different Arkansas team. I mean, just kind of taking a casual look. I mean, outside of Robert Moore, I don't know who they have that's coming back. You look at it and say, oh, yeah, this guy's a star. I mean, Robert Moore is going to be a guy that you, you maybe pitch around him next year. I don't know. But this is an Arkansas team that's going to look very, very different next year, especially on the pitching side of things. Maybe that's better for them. Alabama, four seniors, eight juniors. So not a ton. You know, and I, I, I think Alabama is going you – know, they, they made the tournament this year. I think they're going to be back next year. And they got to get some guys healthy on the mound, and we'll see what happens with Prelip. And, you know, what, you know he's old enough to go. I think he's still draft eligible this year. But Alabama under Bohannon, I think they're going to continue to get better. I think next year could be a really good year for them. I don't know if they challenge for the West, but I think they could be a team, obviously, that makes the tournament with some ease. I think that they won't be one of those teams that, you know, has to sweat it out on selection day. Auburn, another team that had some veterans, not quite as much as Arkansas, but they had a bunch, five seniors, 10 juniors, and a grad transfer. And so you can kind of do the math on that, too. That's 16 veteran guys there. And, again, mostly on the pitching side of things. So you expected them. They were, again, kind of built to win this year. People forget they went to Omaha in 19. And then you return most of those pitchers. And then you have a couple major injuries beginning of the year in pitching. And then they finally get them back late, which is why they, they were able to make a run late and get to Hoover. But poor Butch, man. I mean, you know, this is a team that I think a lot of people looked at and say, hey, 
that might be a scary team in the SEC West. It just didn't come to fruition. I've heard Auburn's going to work the transfer portal really hard, so we'll see how that, that kind of progresses. Ole Miss, nine seniors and eight juniors. And I think they've got a couple draft-eligible sophomores. So this is a team, too, that was kind of built to win this year. Now, they still have some interesting pieces coming back. But, you know, you're not going to have Nikhazy and you're not going to have Hogland, and who were both great. Now, obviously, losing Hogland was big. But, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think pitching was a problem for Ole Miss down the stretch. I mean, you just couldn't keep up. But, um, you know, this is a team, too, that was kind of built to win this year. And this my Bianco is a great recruiter. It's not like they're going to go anywhere. But I, I do think they may take a step back next year. We'll see what happens with Derek Diamond. I've a lot of people say kind of wonder about his health. Is he a guy that can consistently get outs for them? We, you know, we'll see. LSU, and I think LSU is really a team to watch next year. They're, they're a relatively young team because they played so many young guys. But they have five seniors, nine juniors, and a couple of grad transfers. So they're going to lose some guys. The pitching is going to be the biggest issue. You know, Hill's going to be gone. Marceau's going to be gone. I believe Labus is going to be gone. Um, you know, Jay Johnson's coming in. I already got some of his guys coming with him, flipping some commitments, that sort of stuff. And so – I think Jay Johnson's style of offense really matches up well with Alex Box Stadium because you've got basically that jet stream blowing balls out to left. And so they're ready to get back to being LSU. So don't be the least bit surprised if LSU is not just a little bit better, but a lot better next year, at least offensively. They're going to have to find some pitching somewhere. But uh, listen, it's LSU. And that's one of the things that I, I caution people about. They're like, oh, well, Jay Johnson doesn't have any recruiting relationships in the South. We don't need any when you recruit in LSU. I mean, that's a national brand. And so guys get it. You know, people want to go play at LSU. And it's a party town. It's a party state. You know, so it's it's pretty easy because they can use the top stuff and uh, kind of take care of those in-state kids. And then that's a baseball-crazy state, so it does produce a lot of talent. And then go get some of those out-of-state guys. And so it's going to be interesting. Texas A&M, another team, and I guess this is one of the reasons you get really disenchanted if you're an Aggie fan. Guys, they had as much experience as Arkansas did. Seven seniors, eight juniors, and five grads. Five, that's 20 upperclassmen. And they finished last in the West. And Rob Childress, a great coach, and by all accounts, a great man, it just didn't work out up there. And people forget him. Mean, he's just a couple of years away, you know, removed from you know, from being you know, a really strong team. And so I, I just think that it's ready for a change. I don't know how the slosh thing's gonna fix up there. I mean, I really don't. I, I, I don't it's an interesting, an interesting marriage, shall we say. But uh, listen, you know, I, I got nothing against slosh, I got nothing against AM, but I think it's probably gonna be a project. You know, I think people are going to be patient with him down there. And, you know, A&M has one of the most anemic baseball his, Omaha histories in the SEC. I don't think people fully appreciate that with all their resources and all the uh, talent available to them in the Lone Star State. They have really struggled to consistently win. I think a lot of people see Texas really is the older brother out there. Was it 37 trips now for Texas? It's ridiculous. So how does that all compare to us, Steve? Well, how about three seniors, a grad transfer, and then seven juniors? So, yeah, you did the math there. It's 11. So, we we had the fewest number of upperclassmen in the SEC West. I guess Alabama had one more than us. So, we have 11. They have 12. Let this sink in for a second. 
You say, well, Steve, who are you talking about? Well, I don't – So, Scotty DeBrule is your grad transfer, and then your seniors are Spencer Price, Riley Self, Carlisle Kessler. Those are your seniors, and then DeBrule. Now, if you think about Omaha, only one of those guys contributed – in the College World Series on the field. Now, they all, all helped, obviously, with other things. I'm not trying to suggest to diminish their their contributions in any way. But as far as on-the-field contributors, only DeBrule played. And then you look at the seven, you know, you know, Josh Hatcher was one. And listen, I wish Josh Hatcher the best. I don't think Josh is going to be drafted. But listen, if Josh wants to be on the field full-time, he needs to go somewhere else. And he can transfer out. There's, I mean, he didn't have to be a grad transfer, but he is. And he can go somewhere else and, and play one more year and have an opportunity to get on the field and maybe kind of figure some things out and hopefully make a Major League Baseball, uh, you know, farm club somewhere. You know, of course, Rowdy and T.A. will get drafted this year. You know, we expect Will Bednar to get drafted. I think Christian McLeod's got a very good chance of being drafted. But if it's not high enough, yeah, I could see him coming back. I really could. But, um, you know, we, we're a team, I think, that's built to last. You know, it's like you look at some of these other squads and you say, you know what, they got all these veterans and they're so excited about this, and then, um, and then they're gone. And it's like when you, when you have the chance, because old wins in this league, when you have the chance to be the veteran team, you got to take advantage of it and cash your chips in. Because if you don't, you get back down the, the downside of that talent roller coaster – and if somebody else is on top of you and it's so difficult to get back because this is a very unforgiving league, it's very, very important to win when you have experience. And, you know, let's just, I mean, just think for yourself here. Cameron James at third, a COVID freshman. Lane Forsyth, a true freshman. Obviously, we've got to replace somebody at second. Maybe that's Davis Mesh. We'll see. You know, then, of course, uh, you know, Luke Hancock is a guy that's draft eligible. I don't know if he gets drafted high enough to go. I think Luke is probably back. Logan Tanner, not draft eligible. Skinner will be back. Cumbus will be back. You know, so then all of a sudden you go add Jess Davis from UAB. You know, all of a sudden this offense looking pretty good. You know, we got to get him swinging the bat a little bit better. But this is a guy that was a Golden Glove winner, you know, out in center field. And so defensively you could actually be a better team Next year. And that's no slide on T.A. T. I mean, T.A., let's be honest. You know, T.A. is not a natural outfielder. He's had to work very hard to play that position and had a great year this year. You know, last year was a little bit awkward. He was kind of new to him. He did the best he could. But you begin to think about Braywin Skinner and then Jess Davis is a guy who's also a, a fleet merchant, a speed merchant, the guy that can steal bases. And encompassed out there, you could actually be more athletic in the outfield. Next year. Guys replace a ton of experience, though. So, in no way am I suggesting we're going to be better to play uh, with that without TA and Rowdy because you, you don't replace the SEC player of the year by committee and get better as a, as a ball club. But we got a chance to be really good next year. That's kind of the point that I'm making is not only do we return a strong nucleus of talent, but our league, our SEC West, doesn't. You know, we're going to probably return more guys with Omaha experience and College World Series experience and SEC experience than many of our counterparts in the West. You can go look at the East. The numbers are very similar. And so when I read these things about, you know, how young Vanderbilt is, I just kind of laughed to myself and I was like, you know, go, go run the numbers. 
they got a bunch of draft eligible guys that aren't going to be back. And so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that life's going to be great next year, but, you know, we're not going anywhere. Are we going to go back and win it? I'm not ready to say that. But we're going to be a solid regional team and, and probably a host if we can get the uh, you know, the starting pitching kind of situated, right? Yeah, it's like you look at Houston Harding. You know, he's a senior in the classroom, a junior on the field. So he has a year left. So you know, if he gets drafted, yeah, he's going to go ahead and come on out because he's a specialist, right? He loses all his leverage. But what if they don't draft him? Or what if he goes really late? What if it's not worth his time? Is you know what? Maybe I'll just bet on myself and go back. Now all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, you know, Kate Smith's going to be one of the weekend guys. You know that uh, Houston Harding could be one of the weekend guys. Jackson Fristo's the guy. We're kind of figuring out where he can help us. You know, you could always have uh, Landon Sims take more of an active role. You had some other big arms coming in, and so you start thinking, okay, listen. We, get, we think the pitching can be on par. I mean, how many times did we complain about starting pitching this year? So if we can just get average starting pitching next year with the depth we have in the bullpen, because I think Kate Smith's going to be a dog. I really do. <laughs> I really do. I really like him a lot. If they can kind of get Fristo figured out, you know, kind of get him focused, you know, he's got electric stuff. And so you've got the makings of having a really good pitching staff next year. And some would say, well, Steve, how do you replace Will Bednar? Well, you don't. You just got to hope somebody else steps up. But you know what? How many times did we look down the stretch and say, man, how in the world did we get to Omaha with only one consistent starting pitcher? I mean, really, I mean, think about that. There we were playing for a national championship, and we only had one real bona fide SEC starter on the weekends down the stretch. You know, Christian was up and down. And kind of ran into to a bus saw there in Omaha, but we we just won a national championship, and I think that that's one of the things you really kind of give Scott Foxhall and Chris Simonis a lot of credit for. It's like they couldn't just you know roll their number one and number two out there and just say okay go get them boys and let's go. And they had to kind of push the right buttons, and I think it's remarkable the job they did. That's why Chris Simonis is the coach of the year, not just because of the fact that he won the College World Series. But again, think about that. How many? I mean, how many? Think about the 2016 staff. You don't think we could have gone out there and just, just rolled Dakota Hudson and Austin Sexton out there and then kind of Pilgrim in the third game and felt pretty good about life? Yeah, we, we, we felt we great about it. We didn't have that caliber of starting pitching this year and still won the national championship. And so that tells me that we've got excellent coaching. So what are we going to do when we get two and a half starters, which I think you could have next year? You're going to have some guys move on, but listen, you know, what's going to happen after the draft? You know, we'll reevaluate everything here in a couple of weeks. And, you know, once guys get drafted, you know, you kind of have a pretty good idea who's going to go. There'll be a few guys on the back half that may decide to come back for another year and bet on themselves, not just here, but around the league. But again, you look at the numbers and they are what they are. Mississippi State appears to be in a really good position to return a very talented nucleus that just won a national championship to go right back out there and compete again for some pretty big things. Final segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Portico. Brooks Bryan, you know, longtime Mississippi State supporter. Spent his college years here playing baseball for Mississippi State. Very grateful for Brooks for his contributions to Mississippi State baseball. Now he's trying to make Starville an even better place to live. Part of a great group that's building a brand new residential development. People already moving in, very happy with their decision to be there at Portico. Very easy place to find. Come up, come to town on 82. You get off on Highway 12. 
It is the very first right. That's Pad Station Road, crosses all West Point Road, and there's Portico. It's 1.1 miles from campus. Two-bedroom, two-bath, four-bedroom, four-bath, anything in between. You got some good options there. But all, the main thing is you're in Starkville, you're close to campus, and listen to all your friends when they come and say, hey, can we just park at your place and walk with you or ride with you? It's Again, it's a mile from campus. It's easy to get to. Easy access, 25, 12, 82, everything you want. Many of you have thought, you know what, one day, Steve, I'm going to move to Starkville. Why not do it now? Well, I put it off. I put it off as long as I could to the point that it made me miserable. And I got up here, and it's like everything changed for me. I was happier here. My career took off. Maybe that's the thing. You're hanging on to stuff sometimes. It's not worth hanging on to. So start fresh. Come out here, check us out. Give Brooks a call today. Simple as that. Call him today. Even if you're not quite ready to move, at least go ahead and start getting some information. And that way when you go have the meeting with your significant other and say, listen, this is what I think we should do. And they say, oh, well, maybe we'll look into it. We'll already have because you've got a man on the inside, Brooks Bryan. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Give Brooks a call. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. I wanted to go back to uh, – I'm a D1 baseball subscriber. You should all be subscribing to Gene's page. But if uh, if you are looking for – you know, some additional college baseball coverage outside of Mississippi State. I would recommend D1 Baseball. I love Teddy Cahill and Joe Haley and those guys at Baseball America. Gene subscribes to them. I subscribe to D1 Baseball. And a lot of that's just so we kind of know what's going on. You know, so I want to go back to, you know, back quarantine. You know, we didn't have College World Series last year. So D1 Baseball put out their aid for Omaha, which I think is always a kind of a catchy title. So let's see how they did. And I don't, want, I don't want you guys to go tweet them. I'm not talking trash about them. These guys are my friends. But I just think it's important to kind of understand, too, that, you know, these preseason articles, and there's so many of them that are just, they're just opinions. And that's not to say we should take up for fact whether we included it in them or not. We've proven more times than not that the uh, preseason rankings don't mean much. Matter of fact, preseason rankings don't mean anything at all. So here is Kendall Rogers, eight for Omaha for the 2021 season. And Kendall Rogers picked Mississippi State to win the College World Series prior to the College World Series beginning. Once we all got to Omaha, he picked Mississippi State to win. But he didn't have State in his eight for Omaha. He had Arkansas, Florida, Louisville, who didn't make tournament, Ole Miss, TCU, Texas Tech, UCLA, you know what happened there. Vanderbilt, of course. So that's his eight. Aaron Fitz, eight for Omaha. Florida, Louisville, LSU, Texas Tech, UCLA, Vanderbilt, Virginia. Give Aaron some credit. I think he's the only person in the industry that picked Virginia to make it, and they did. And then Wake Forest, they didn't. So, you know, you, you kind of run the list down there. It's kind of, you know, everybody gets Vanderbilt. And then outside of that, it's kind of slim. Because there's going to be an A for Omaha article come out from everybody here in the next couple of weeks. And everybody's going to panic and say, oh, they don't have us in it. Well, they're just kind of guessing. Give those guys a break. Stitch, I like Stitch. He had a lot. He took most of those pictures you guys saw from D1 Baseball in Omaha. He has Florida, Vanderbilt, UCLA, TCU, East Carolina, Texas, the only guy that had Texas, 
Arizona, give them credit for that one, Ole Miss, and that's your list. Nobody had Mississippi State in there, but yet Mississippi State wins the thing. And listen, everybody's happy about that, too. I mean, there's a lot of people who have a lot of respect for Crystal Monis and you guys as a fan base because of your commitment to college baseball. Go look at all the Twitter accounts when they put things out there for uh, the championship you know, ceremony. A lot of these people are like, man, how great is this for college baseball? And for a lot of people around the country, they're just getting to know Mississippi State baseball. There are a lot of casual fans of college baseball that, that saw you guys turn up in Omaha, and they're like, holy smokes, look at Mississippi State. I share with you guys, too. I, I befriended many of those security guards when I was in Omaha. I was there so long. You know, I thought they were going to give me a, a walkie-talkie and a, a lanyard. But um, but you know, the first night, one of the guys told me, he goes, man, Steve, based on team colors and based on what people are wearing as they come in this gate, it's probably 20 to 1 in Mississippi State. That's a Monday we lost. On Tuesday, the same guy said, hey, Steve, it's probably 30 to 1 tonight. And then on Wednesday, nobody could even keep up. It was just a sea of maroon. I had one veteran security guard tell me, he said, you know what, Steve? He said, I have never seen a partisan crowd like this in Omaha. Never. I've never seen one team outnumber the other like we've seen this year. One guy told me when they when t- last year when they had two years ago when they had uh, Michigan and Vanderbilt play and they couldn't give away tickets, they had hundreds of people walking up as security guards and event management staff outside of the TD Ameritrade all week long asking, do you have any leads on ticket? Are there anybody out here scalping tickets? Who do we contact? What do we do? The demand for those tickets was phenomenal. And I hate that a lot of people simply couldn't couldn't make the trip or couldn't afford to buy those tickets because they absolutely spiked and skyrocketed out of control. And you know, sadly, there were a lot of people that made a trip to Omaha and watched the ball game in a bar in a cheap hotel somewhere. But um, you know, kind of lesson learned for all of us. But uh, at the end of the day, we went up there and showed the nation what Mississippi State baseball is about, and not just because this is a great team, but because this is a great program. And you guys are supporters and shareholders in a great program that now owns a national championship. I have many people out there, too, that, uh, you know, they find out you're a state guy. Everybody wants to talk and ask about Tanner Allen and Will Bednar. And what's the story with Rowdy Jordan's name? That sort of stuff. But I was struck by how many people, too, that just said, you know what? I'm really pulling for Mississippi State. It's, it's not right that you guys don't have a title. I had an LSU guy come up to me. And I shared this with you guys on the show. And he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm sad that we didn't make it, but I'm pulling for those Bulldogs this week, man. He goes, hey, you guys are the godfathers of the SEC. It's wrong that you guys don't have a title. I get chills saying that because I think that's the, that's the same line that we have all said for years. It was just wrong that we didn't have one. And I used to just kind of hit, bang my head against the wall. I said, with all we have done and all we've committed to, the resources by the university and our fan base, how in the world did Fresno State and Coastal Carolina win one before we did? It just seems so unfair. And now, for the first time in my life, I can actually, you know, kind of congratulate Fresno State and Coastal Carolina because I'm not the hater I was anymore. You know, it's like, now, hey, guys, good luck with that. Congratulations. Glad you got one. Because now that we got one, too, we're kind of off the hook. I had one guy share with me, too. It's like, um, you know, he said all the years that we've been coming, he was like, man, these the fans are so great for Mississippi State, and they're so nice, and they come out and support the team. You just like to see them win it once. And there were so many people, I was so struck by that in Omaha, that were like, man, I love your fans. Man, you guys are so easy to deal with. There's so many great things going on around here, and people are always so happy. And you know what? 
it's a wonder we're still happy after so many years of getting so close. But as I said before in the show, you know, it's one of those things, too. It's like the biggest difference in sports is not number 10 and number one. It's number two and number one. That's the biggest gap in sports because number two has to beat number one in order to be number one. And then the guys in first are willing to do the things that the guys in number two aren't. And it's not always about talent. A lot of times it's hard work. A lot of times it's vision. A lot of times it's coaching. I mean, and that's the thing. We had the perfect blend this year. And it excites me to think about the trajectory that Chris Lamonis is on. You know, people forget in 2019, he won more games than any first-year coach in the history of the Southeastern Conference. That's a long year. But we won about 52 games that year. And you know what? Well, they didn't play as many games, you know, in the 60s and 70s. They didn't. But you know what? There's been a lot of first-year head coaches that have come into the SEC in the modern era, and Chris won more games than all of them. Won more than Paul Maneri. Won more than Kevin O'Sullivan. You can run the list down. And so when I think about the fact that Chris did that, with a team that he really didn't know well. And granted, we had some veterans on that team that kind of led us. And then he comes back for an encore and he wins a national championship. And so I began to think to myself, what's this guy going to do when we have like a normal year with his own, with his team? You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, he's went out and recruited guys that fit Mississippi State. I have heard some veteran coaches say this, and uh, I think it was first attributed to Butch Thompson. But it was said, you know, you, you can offer who you want, but you sign who you are. And what that means is you go out there and chase all these kids, but the kids that agree to come and commit you and play for you are kids that value what you already are as a brand. You can say, well, you know, hey, we're going to change our offensive philosophy. We're going to do this and do that. And it's easy to say that in a recruiting meeting, but can you go secure those players? It's kind of like when Mississippi State, you know, for years and years we couldn't sign wide receivers. Because we didn't, we didn't throw the football. Now, all of a sudden, when we get ready to throw the football, it's like, well, hey, we're going to throw the football. Well, coach, okay, great. Let me go see a game. And then we don't throw the football under Joe Moorhead. Then we do under Mike Leach, and guess what? Now we're signing receivers. And so I th- what I think about with Chris is, number one, the staff is uh, very much in line for a huge raise for everybody, and they're going to get it. Um but also, too, what are they going to do when there's some continuity in this program? Because that's one of the things that we've lacked. And, and listen, we're kind of allergic to change at Mississippi State. We really are, especially when it comes to baseball, right? You know, Paul Gregory was here forever and a day. You know, and then Jimmy Braggin comes in and he's here just the one year. And then we had to go get Ron Polk. And Ron Polk was a generational coach. And so we've been very blessed, you know, to have some long tenured coaches in baseball. You know, wasn't here long. Gary wasn't here long. You know, that's, that's kind of a package deal there. But, you know, I, that's what I think. You know, Chris is a young guy. And I said that because he's my age. But, you know, my point is, you know, Chris is a, a guy that has a lot of years left ahead of him. This is a destination job. And so what will this program look like in 10 years, you know, after we've put together a couple more runs to Omaha and, and, and Chris has, uh, you know, put his stamp on the program and is recruiting players that fit his scheme and fit this culture, you know, what are we going to look like then? Because, you know, again, we're here to stay. 
This is a program, not a team. This is a culture, not a group on a one-time run. This isn't a senior field club that just happened to take advantage of the COVID rules and put it all together. This is a young team with a coaching staff that's had two full seasons. And they've cashed in their chips and got a national championship. So what are we what are we looking at here? I'm excited. And you should be too. I've had so many people say, you know, Steve, you know, you're kind of the voice of reason. I, I try to be. And other people say, you know, Steve's always too positive. You know what? I just call like I see it. And you can decide how you want to receive it. But I think we're in a great position. And I don't just say that because we just won a national championship, which is awfully fun to say. I think when you begin to think about this and the fact that we had the one year of inherited players, then we had the COVID year, and so then we have this year, which still wasn't a truly normal year, and we've gotten two trips to Omaha and a national championship out of it. So what does that mean moving forward? We're all going to find out together, but I think we're probably in the best position we could be in right now. We got a coach who's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, too. You know, this is a guy, too, you know, that was out there, you know, kind of winning those recruiting battles for, you know, for Dan McDonald Louisville for a long time. Got the job in Indiana and uh, did a good job there. But, you know, I, I think it's a perfect mix um, and match for Mississippi State. I think the reason Chris didn't get some other calls early on is because this is where he was supposed to be. This is where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be here as our coach. And I think Chris Lamonis can be and will be a generational coach for Mississippi State. That's exactly what we were looking for. A guy that could come in here and recruit and win at a high level, but saw this as a destination job and would stay here for the balance of his career. These are the jobs that you come to and you, you hope to get at some point in your career, and you never want to give them up. And so, yeah, I think, I think we're in a good position. And I think we should relish that. And I think when given the opportunity to make some commitments, perhaps to some new seating, we need to make sure we do that. And we need to make that easy on the athletic department by our fans. There are so many fans that complain. And listen, those are legitimate complaints. I get it. But why not go ahead and secure your spot all the time? You know, and so hopefully those, those opportunities come sooner rather than later. And I hope to have some more information on that for you guys here in the months to come. But this is a great time to be a Mississippi State Bulldog because this is, again, we are built to last. And I truly believe the best is yet to come. But mind you, hadn't done so, go to StarkVillains.com and you can order a Stark Villain shirt. There have been a bunch of those popping up around Omaha. And I thank you guys so much for wearing those. And if you need to get books, go to AlphaDogsTheBook.com. You get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. Treat yourself if you didn't get a good birthday gift or a good Father's Day gift. And of course, Blooms of Oleander available everywhere, even as an ebook. So if you are a person that prefers an e-reader or a Kindle, you can go download that Blooms of Oleander right there to your device. That's going to do it for today. I'll be back with you guys on Wednesday. We're back on a regular schedule. You guys have probably gotten spoiled with these bonus shows, but we'll see how the summer goes. Not as, whole, as much to talk about. So looking forward to being back with you guys and happy to be back in Starkville. Uh, Again, guys, I don't know if you heard, but uh, we are the national champions of college baseball for 2021. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.